Welcome to the Namely Marley podcast. My name is Marley. Today's guest is Melanie Notkin, America's premier savvy auntie and the founder of the award-winning website Savvy Auntie. I spoke with Melanie recently about her exciting work that has resulted in both an award-winning website and a best-selling book. First of all, I wanted to say thank you for agreeing to participate on this interview about your name. I'm excited to talk with you about it. Absolutely. My pleasure. Do you have any, uh, you know, why your parents selected your name? Um, I, I do know why my parents, well, actually, I think my mom selected my name. Um, she loved the name Melanie. She was, she told me that she was on the beach once and this cute little girl was on the beach and she met her and her name was Melanie and she decided then in there that if she ever had a daughter, she was going to name her Melanie. Oh, that's a nice story. Yeah. And your, she liked dad, the name. your dad was fine with that name too. He was fine with the name. I, you know, I, I, I don't think he really, um, he really had an opinion, a strong opinion, you know, plus or minus. I think he thought it was a pretty name and went with it. I think, you know, frankly, back in, you know, I was born in 1969. Back then, it was really, you know, not such a, I don't think it was a, such a big conversation between parents about a name. I think that the mom really, you know, unless it was uh you know, very strong, important thing on the on the on the paternal side to have a, a second or third named after the father grandfather. I think the moms generally pick the names. And there wasn't all this discussion like there is today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, in fact, in my book, Savvy Auntie, we have a whole section um, about baby naming because sometimes a sister. Um, our sister-in-law will talk to the aunt-to-be about the baby name, and we sort of have baby etiquette around that, about how, you know, nobody's taking your quote-unquote name, and if it's the name that you wanted to name your child, or, um, you know, how to sort of deal when, when a mom or dad chooses a name that you don't think is a great name. And, you know, sort of, it's, there's a lot of talk about names lately. It's such a a popular thing to talk about, especially, you know, as, as you know so well, celebrities tend to choose um, very unique names for their children these days. Although I, a friend of mine just sent me a, a birth announcement that they named their little baby girl Apple. So there you go. <laughs> so there was a trend started there. Who, who, who was that? That was Gwyneth Paltrow? Yes. Yes. Hey, it's a, it's a good name. I guess it, uh, it, it, I think they did start a trend with that, though. <laughs> I think they did, although, you know, I think that there were, there were other fruity names before that. So, um, I don't know, they were fir- first in the fruit category, but <laughs> I think there, were, there was a peach, you know, and there's uh, some other fruit names. But um, I've even yeah. heard of people having, they, they have a contest or, or people can vote about which name they like the best on, online or things like that. A lot of discussion about names. Yes, absolutely. Names. Well, it's a fun thing. I mean, I, I bought naming books when I was a kid because I was so fascinated by names and what they mean. And mm. I'm Jewish, and so I have a number of names. I have a first name and a, a middle name, and then I have a, a Hebrew name. So um, it's very interesting to sort of look at all the names put together and and the names that you're called. I mean, in school, I was called actually three names. I was called Melanie, and then in French. Because I'm from Montreal, Quebec, I was mm-hmm. Melanie, and then in in my um, Hebrew studies classes, I was Shoshana. Wow, many names, and and you went by all three. 
I did. I went by all three. I would definitely, you know, do answer to all three names. I'm sure I was called other names in the schoolyard, but we don't need to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> so did you like your name as a child, Melanie, the one that you go by the most? I did. I did. I um, I remember turning to my mother in first or second grade saying, I would just would like to thank you for my name. I remember saying this because there was a girl, popular girl, a couple of grades ahead of me whose name was Melanie. And I, I sort of said, well, if she's popular with that name, then it must be a good name. So, and it, what was odd is that in, um, I think seventh grade, um, I heard that there was another girl my age whose name was um, um, Mulaney. Mm-hmm. And some people started to call me Mulaney because I was, it was either, they only knew one, and it was spelled the same way, but they only knew, you know, Mulaney or Melanie. And I'm like, she has it wrong. And they try to convince me, no, I have it wrong. I'm like, no, I, I in fact, know it's the pronunciation is Melanie. And later, um, I think about 20, my father um, was uh, in real estate, and he came across the parents of this famed Mulaney, um, and uh, they conceded that they saw the name in a baby name book and didn't know how to pronounce it. They thought it was pronounced Mulaney, but they just liked the way it looked. <laughs> and so Mulaney became Mulaney, and I'm sure she still is stunted by this mispronunciation of her name yes (laughs) that's too good that reminds me of when my daughter was little and I was reading to her Harry Potter and I I had never seen the name Hermione before so I think we called it Hermione (laughs) yeah sure you know I mean if you haven't heard the name before you don't know how it's pronounced but um but you know I I, I've never heard of another Mulaney before although you know what's interesting is that for some reason it doesn't resonate when people hear the name, um, they'll, I'll say Melanie and they'll say Naomi. I'm like, no, Melanie. Mm-hmm. Or um, I, I, when I, my, my, before I started my company, Savianti, I, I worked in corporate America and the woman who worked with me um, as my junior associate was named um, Melinda, is named Melinda. And um, we once got an email addressed to both of us, Dear Melissa. <laughs> we figured, okay, well, <laughs> they didn't know who was who, so they went right in the middle with Melissa. Um, so I've been called Melissa, Melinda, um, anything with a Mel um, you know, sort of prefix to it. it um, my mother actually sometimes nicknamed me Lainey, which I, which I liked as well. I was going to ask you if you've gone by any nicknames. Lainey, that's cute. It is cute. It never really stuck, but I did like it. Um, but Mel, often people call me Mel, although I have to say that while I do like the name Mel and, and certainly don't you know, tell people not to call me Mel, I'm fine with Mel, I do find it slightly irritating when people who I've just met or haven't yet to meet call me Mel because it, it to me it just sort of symbolizes some sort of, of closeness that we don't yet have yes. and uh, like why are you already shortening my name we just met um, <laughs> so you know and I'm, I'm trying to do the same thing when I meet a Stephanie not to call her Steph or a Jessica not to call her Jess just because it's easier for me to pronounce. There's several names like that, that people just take these liberties and think that they can hyphenate, like um, a William or um, Catherine. They just immediately start calling them Kathy. Right. I know. And, and many times, you know, these women and men don't appreciate that. And it's <laughs> yeah. funny because there was a, 
they're cousins actually, and in, in, in that I came to know in my late teens, early twenties in Montreal. Um, one was Tamara, and one was Tammy, and you couldn't call either the other name. Mm. Either it was Tammy or Tamara, and like there was no question, it was Tamara or Tammy, and. Um, and, you know, and it was very interesting because they they were first cousins. So it wasn't like, you know, they were so distantly. And they're both named after the same person, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, people are, are very, are very specific about their names. But for me, again, I, I, I like the name Mel. I have no problem with it. I just um, feel that. You know, well, somebody, for instance, even let's say on on Twitter, um, will will just say, "Hey, Mel, I wanted to ask you. Um, we, we don't even know each other. Why are you, you know, sort of taking that liberty?" Um, I think that it's just a little, it's, it's just a little close. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's a sign that they they feel so connected with you. They they want to be close, but I agree with you. There should be some formality to that. A process. Yeah. Exactly. I, well, I think that I don't know if they feel close or just want to believe they're close. <laughs> yes, that's a, that's a better way of saying it. <laughs> so, do you think your name has had any impact on your life? Hmm. Good question. I've thought about that. You know, I I did look up the meaning of the name. I guess back way back when, when I had those baby name books, and it in in Greek it means um, dark flower, mm. and I did like that because I'm. Um, I am uh, on the darker side. I mean, I'm, I'm a pale olive skin, dark brunette. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother's side was, was Persian. So I've got that sort of the dark. Um, and um, the flower made sense because my middle name after my paternal great grandmother is Rose. Mm-hmm. So it all kind of, of blended together. And, and Shoshana is, um, is what many women with the name Rose are, are called. It actually means Lily, but um, for some reason, we went with Rose and everybody's called Shoshana. Um, so it, it, it all kind of um, blended together and, and, you know, it's a very pretty name. And of course, you know, the melanin and, you know, all of it's all yeah. comes from the same, from the same root. And, um, I don't know, it, it fit me and, and, um, I, I, I do like it and I, I think it fits well with my last name. And, um, although it didn't work out well, in elementary school when I was called Melanie Snotkin. (laughs) No, that wasn't fun. Kids, I tell you. (laughs) Kids, I mean. Yeah, I once read this story about parents trying to pick a name that nobody could make fun of, and they finally picked the name Amber, and the big sister, when they brought the baby home, called the little baby Amberger. (laughs) Oh, funny. It's like intrinsic in children to make something out of names, I guess. It really is. I think there was a Simpsons like that where they couldn't forget a name, so they decided on Bart, which, of course, if you put an S there, is a whole other thing. So it was a funny kind of uh, um, joke where they really just believe that nobody can make fun of the name Bart. (laughs) What about your last name? What is the origin of that? Um, it's actually a wonderful origin. So Notkin is a, is a Russian name, and my great-great-great-great-grandfather was um, a, na- a man named um, Natan, um, Natanasa, where um, Jews back then would have sort of their 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 name sort of twice, their Hebrew name and, and the Yiddish name um, repeated. And so Natan is the Hebrew name, and and, Nat, and um, Nasa is the um, is the Yiddish name. And he was a, a very rare breed because he um, 
had, was able, through the limitations that the Russian government enabled Jews at the time, to actually be profitable in his business making um, uh, farm machinery. And uh, he uh, did extraordinarily well, and he, in fact, was very influential, even with, with the czarists. And um, at a time, there was, there was a war, um, from what I understand it. He, um, unlike Ecclesiastes, actually changed his, um, his plowshares into swords. Mm. He, he was able to take all his machinery, make it into weaponry. And so he was given the great honor that his, that his children should carry his name. And so Natkin um, is, the, is the name of Natav's kin. So oh, okay. uh, we are the children of Nasanata. Interesting, kind of like um, my my last name is McMillan, and Mick means son of. Right. So Ken means kind of like son of. The, the children the, of to the family of yeah. Mm-hmm. So so um, we and and in fact it's it's funny on um, on Facebook a few years ago, uh, one of my cousins started a group and trying to find some notkins that we may not know, because we are all related. Mm. Um, and um, a young woman joined the group, and her name was Melina Notkina. And she was born in Russia. And the, what the Russians do is they add an A to the end of the last name to feminize it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I thought, oh, this is the closest to my name that there is out there. So Melanie Notkin is Melina Notkina. And she actually visited in New York once and we got together and she's a lovely young girl. Mm, wonderful. Yeah. That's a great story about how a name can bring people together from different continents. Exactly. And the fact that we know it's rooted in this Nasa Nata, in this, in this man, um, who's a, and, and really, a, he, I believe his daughter... Um, married a very influential great rabbi of the time. So, um, in fact, it, it was a very, very influential family. So it's um, so it's very specific that that only the this the the family of the of this man should carry that name. So we know we're all we're all related. And um, in fact, what's interesting is that because it, um, it grew out of Russia, uh, my. I, I, a cousin of a cousin of my father's actually was very um, active um, in the 80s when Jews were not allowed to leave Russia, um, the 70s and 80s. And she went to visit Russia at, at one time, and she met some of the Notkins there. And the familial, the, the facial resemblance, where she had a picture with a cousin of her that, I mean, it was like her twin sister. Mm. It was just remarkable. Oh, that is amazing. That's kind of a nice thing about having such a unique name then, that, you know, it's not like a Smith or some people, obviously, they can have the same last name and not be remotely related. Exactly. It is. So it really, it is unique. And, and, um, and, and then, you know, again, we all know that if we meet another knocking as you sometimes do on Facebook or I remember once I went to a blogger event and there was a woman there whose last name was knocking and we knew right away we were related somehow. <laughs> That's wonderful. So I, I noticed that you're, you were described as America's foremost expert on ant, anthood. I think that's how you say is the yeah. okay way to pronounce it. <laughs> and, sure. and you've got a book on the topic, The Savvy Auntie. 
Yeah, Savvy the, Auntie, The Ultimate Guide for Cool Aunts, Great Aunts, Godmothers, and All Women Who Love Kids. It's a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Yeah. came out at the end of April this year. And essentially, it's a guide for every every woman who is um, about to become an aunt, has just become an aunt, is loving being an aunt. Um, and whether it's that by relation, a sister, a sister-in-law, older cousin, or um, perhaps she's the best friend or a neighbor, or just somebody who loves other people's children. Um, specifically women um, representing the 50% of American women who don't have children of their own. I don't. I prefer not to use the word, uh, the term childless. I say childful because mm. we choose to have these children in our lives. And um, as this growing trend of women um, remaining um, childful through um, their 30s, um, certainly their 20s and into their 30s, and even one-fifth of women um, over age 40 um, don't have children, um, the the caring that we can offer to the within the American Family Village, whether it's directly with a family, whether with it's our family, whether with it's a, a family who lives down the block from us that have become good friends, or whether it's because we stay at work later so a mom can go home to her kids, we contribute to American Family Village. And I thought, well, you know, moms and dads have all these guidebooks and, and we're we're left with nothing. And, and I know that this relationship between an aunt and her nieces and nephews is so much more valuable than the cliche, oh, you just give them gifts and leave, or the minute that they poop in their diaper, you're gone. And mm-hmm. and that's, that's not really the case. Of course, there are some who choose that way. Of course, there are mothers who choose not to be intimate with their children as well. But most women who have a child in their life are really besotted by that child and and give so much um, time, uh, call it qual anti time, mm-hmm. um, and, and have positive influence on that child's life. And and every child, of course, can use um, another grown-up in their life to, to love them and to care for them as, um, as, as parents work so hard just to make ends meet. Yeah, I, I really resonated with, the, with that so much just because my siblings were older than me and had their children young, so I, I became an aunt at the age of seven. Wow. And uh, waited, took my time to have my own. I have, I have one daughter took my time on that so I was an aunt for a long time <laughs> and yeah, there it's a great, you go. great honor <laughs> it is a great honor and um you know and speaking about names you know we and yeah. it's in the book and we we talk about it on, on Facebook a lot there are like 62,000 fans right now on Facebook and <laughs> we talk about what they're called and some aunts are just called, especially if they were a child like you were when they first became an aunt by their by their first name. Um, but many are called, um, you know, aunt or auntie or auntie or tia or tante or whatever their their um, ethnicity sort of behooves um, the the prefix to be. And some are actually have their own names as a child. Um, you know, to your point about um, Amberger, well, mm-hmm. the child will sort of make up for the for the end, and it sort of ends up carrying through and to the siblings. And the siblings end up calling the aunt by that sort of made up name. And it's it's wonderful because it creates a bond. That name creates a bond. That there's no other aunt in that child's life with or or in anyone's life with with that name. So it's mm-hmm. very very special. That's a term of endearment. Yeah. I I met a man from India. He's a friend of mine and he his in their heritage the little ones call any adult woman auntie. Yeah. So his daughter started calling me auntie at a young age and I loved that. <laughs> Isn't it nice? Yes. It yes. it feels to me like a little 
virtual handout, yeah. and you just hold hands. You just feel that much more connected. It's very, very um, interesting how just that that term can really bond people. And that's why, you know, um, I, I really wanted to bring back that that term. I'm I'm not of Indian descent, but I I do recognize that that's a very strong um, part of the heritage there. But also, I just I I want. I want, as we become more and more familiar with names, so for instance, um, when I was a child, and I don't know if it's the same with you, I, I never called an adult by their first name. Yes, that's right. And today, you know, I I, I feel sort of uncomfortable when, when I took my, my nieces uh, for their birthday, I took them to get their, their hair done at a fancy salon, which only a savvy auntie would do. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the uh, actually celebrity stylists and colorists that own the salon are friends of mine. And it felt awkward to have them call them by, refer to them by their first names or introduce them at their first names, but it also felt awkward to say Mr. and Mr. And so I said Mr. Ted and Mr. Jason, which I felt was the perfect happy medium because it was young enough that it didn't feel old fashioned, but it, there was some sort of, of sense of honor to, to, to grown men when these are just, just children. And I think that this, this wall of, of, of familiarity that's come down, um, I think that sort of adds to this sense of of entitlement that young some young people might have because they they feel that they are peers to these people and and I think that um, it's it's right. good to know that there are people who may just know a little bit more than you who may <laughs> just be able to help you a little bit more who who may know that you shouldn't cross the street without looking both ways. They call mom and dad, mom and dad, generally. Um, and then if they call the aunt or uncle by their first name, it it puts the aunt and uncle as their more of a sibling than than of a, you know, of a, of a parental companion, so um, or parental peer. So yeah, I mean, I think it's important because I think that children should know, and and it's not because I'm I'm so old fashioned or what have you, but I think that um, children should know that an adult is an adult. And that while we may play with them and, and 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 enjoy our time together and give them as much as we can, that really what a child wants to know is that they're safe. Yeah. And what's important about that is that they know that that grown-up is capable and is going to keep them safe. And especially, you know, children look at everything through a child's eye, and they don't really understand age necessarily, right? They they understand a teenager. They understand, you know, maybe somebody in their 20s or 30s, and they understand, you know, somebody who's elderly, but they don't really get the difference between 30 and 40. Like, that to them is sort of, they don't get it. And so, especially when a woman is, or a man is single, or, or they don't have, or married without children of their own, they they don't really see necessarily that there is a generational difference. Um, in fact, one of my, my nieces, when she was five, said to me, Auntie Melanie, and I'm, by the way, was 41 or 42 at the time. I'm 42 now. Auntie Melanie, you're, you're like a teenager because I know you're bigger than a kid, but you don't look like a mommy. <laughs> uh, oh, kids are so, wonderful. I love the things they say. Aren't they wonderful? Yes. And, and I, just, I wanted to point out that you have created this National Anti-Day. 
Yes, you know, there's there's Mother's Day, there's Grandparents' Day, there's, you know, even, um, it's old-fashioned to say, but Secretary's Day, maybe they call it Ministry of Assistance Day now. Yeah. I mean, there's a day for everyone, but there was no day for an aunt, and I thought, gosh, you know, she deserves it. She deserves mm-hmm. to be recognized, and so, yes, it's the fourth Sunday of July. We've celebrated three um, annual Aunties Day, and uh, like I said, the, the next one will be, um, and I think it'll be whatever the Sunday is, I think it's July 23rd um, of this coming year, of 2012. So, yeah, I mean, it's just like Mother's Day. It's a day to honor an aunt. And, you know, an aunt doesn't always live next door, so it's not necessarily easy to take her out for brunch. But, um, you know, if, if I can just get an Easter nephew to call and say thank you um, for everything she does, just to recognize her role. Mm-hmm. So many aunts feel unappreciated and underappreciated. And um, why not just take one day out of the year just to stop and think and appreciate all that she does. After all, as I say, Antwood is a gift. It's a gift to the children. It's a gift to their parents, and it's a gift for her. But because there is no um, legal obligation to Ant like there is to parent, every boo-boo she kisses, every little hand she holds, every hug she gives is a gift. And um, she should be recognized and appreciated for it. Even if it comes without question um, that she will do it, it's still um, not something that she is obligated to do. And when women who don't have children are meant to feel an obligation to serve other people's children in whatever capacity or to serve the parents in whatever capacity, I think that we undermine the power of the relationship. We all deserve to be recognized and honored and respected um, for what we do. Oh, absolutely. And I love also that you include, I think you call them um, aunties by choice in addition to aunties by relationship. Absolutely. Aunties by relation, ABRs, ABCs are aunties by choice. And you could be a debutante, which is a first time aunt. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, great aunts. Um, And they're different. They're the child auntie like yourself. You were a child when you became an aunt and mommy aunties. Mom, as you are, mom Mm -hmm. who's also an aunt, especially um, moms who were aunts like you were for a long time before they became moms themselves and really had that full on aunt experience with other children in their life. Mm -hmm. um, Really have a very strong bond with their nieces and nephews. Um, Also, moms who have a niece or nephew, even if they became a mom first, have a, have a niece or nephew of a different gender. So say a mom only had boys and all of a sudden she has a niece. She has a whole new relationship right. with a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you know, and then it's married, it's single, it's straight, it's the lesbian aunt, as we call it. Mm-hmm. It's the, 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 the woman who a child goes to for um, to share all his or her secrets or for advice is the confidant, the, the aunt who not only gives to the children her life, but to children around the world is the benevolent aunt. Um, and of course, the aunt that <laughs> the anti-mame type, the one that flies off on these wonderful adventures only to bring back beautiful things for her nieces and nephews is the bon vivant. And there are many more, but the idea is that there is, there is yeah. many, there are many types of, of aunt. And what I wanted to do is modernize the idea that old aunt Aunt Sadie, um, with the gray hair and 12 cats. Um, really, she's this more modern, kind of a, a Carrie Bradshaw type, who was an aunt to Miranda and Charlotte's kids. She's a modern, cosmopolitan woman who gives so much, again, to, to children um, by choice and by relation. It kind of reminds me of that movie, the, I think it's called The Women. Did you see that one? 
Oh, I don't know that I've seen that. Oh, okay. Well, there's a, a role of, uh, you know, an ABC, an aunt, that, mm-hmm. uh, aunt by choice that gives the young daughter some advice that she couldn't go to her mom about. Well, there you go. The confidant. Yeah. Exactly. It's a very, very important role. And, and, you know, unfortunately, sometimes moms will sort of resent that a child may be able to go to an aunt when they don't feel they should go to the mom. And, it, and mm-hmm. I can see where it's difficult because the mom, of course, has raised this child and wants the, chi- wants the child to know that the child can trust her. But um, we should all be open to the fact that... Right. Whatever it is, a child will not always be able to go to a mom. In fact, mm-hmm. um, at my book launch party, I was talking to a number of uncles, gay uncles, yeah. um, who were there to celebrate the book, which was wonderful. And it was interesting. It was about a, a, a group of six or seven. And one said, well, I just want to thank you. I, you should know. I mean, I, I came out to my aunt. And then another one said, I did too. And then they went around the the group and each one had come out to their aunt wow isn't that amazing that is amazing yeah that's i i personally think that um it sets a good example for a child to be able to go to somebody besides the parent they're learning to get advice from different people that's important it is important and you know um sometimes People will knock women without children, and and of course there are women who don't have children um, by choice. They're child-free by choice. Mm-hmm. There are women who have a biological issue um, with infertility. There are women who you know are in their twenties and maybe just not there yet. And there are women like me at forty-two or what I call circumstantially infertile, meaning it's because of my circumstance that I, there is no fertility in my life mm-hmm. um, because I haven't met the right guy. Um, but whatever the case, there's often judgment. Um, just mm-hmm. like there are the mommy wars, there's there are many moms will sort of judge those who, who don't have children for whatever valid reason. And, um, you know, when we when we do that, again, we undermine um, the value that Annette, um, the role that she plays and the positive influence that she has on her child. Mm-hmm. However wonderful a parent is, they are talented in certain aspects of life where the aunt may be a fantastic artist. Now, mom may be more responsible, and she may, whatever it is, be CEO of a company, raising three kids. And the aunt may be the bohemian or um, and the bohemian <laughs> um, artist. But maybe the child sees something in that. Maybe the child is inspired by that. Mm-hmm. Why not give the child as much positive um, inspiration as, as possible? It's a wonderful thing. And, and, of course, that is our legacy. When my nieces and my nephew talk to me about how I had started my own company, when they see me on, on television and they have, get to ask me questions about it, um, and then we talk about if they were to have their own company, what would that be? Well, that's an influence that their parents can't offer them, not because their parents aren't wonderful, incredible human beings in in their own right, but that's not the path that they followed. Mm -hmm. So maybe we'll have an entrepreneurial niece or nephew one day. And there's, there's also genetic traits, too. I can see in my daughter... You know things about her uncle or things about her uh, her aunts in her life. I I definitely see those influences. Yeah, I mean, not just the social, but but characteristics. Characteristics, mannerisms. I yes. was even looking. I mentioned I took my nieces to get their their hair cut, and uh, the DNA is there. Yeah, you know we are both we both have this little same little cowlick in the same <laughs> little place, <laughs> and we just saw each other in the mirror with the hair wet. You know, at the same time, and yeah. we looked at each other. We go, oh, "That's me," uh, and you know, and she's 
when she straightened her hair, I mean, we look like, you know, she looked like a little mini me. Mm. And, and, you know, the, the, the DNA is, is there too. We share so much. And, um, and because we are able to your point to see ourselves in these children, the children see themselves in us. Um, and we are generally positive role models. It could be extraordinarily powerful. If my aunt can do it, I can do it too. Yes. I saw that your book received praise from Elizabeth Gilbert. Pretty exciting. Yes. Oh, it was a thrill. Elizabeth is a is a good friend of Savvy and of mine, and um, she uh, she agreed to an interview. I don't know, about a year and a half ago when her book Committed came out where she talks about what she calls the anti-brigade. She and her husband are child-free by choice, um, but she shows, she talks about the role of the aunt, how important it is, and, and about how important her nephew and niece are to her. And um, I was able to interview her for my um, from my website, SavvyAuntie.com, and um, asked her if she'd be interested in seeing the book before it was published, and she quote-unquote, was delighted to, mm. and um, her quote was such a, a generous gift and um, so wonderful. She's just really just an incredible, incredible woman. So yeah, proud of that. And I noticed that your website, Savvy Auntie, uh, was listed on Forbes Top 100 Websites for Women. It is. It's a Forbes Top 100 website, um, 2011. It's also a Webby Award nominee for 2009 for Best Family Site. That's sort of the Oscars for for the web. Yes. And yep. in fact, um, it, uh, it I, I, I humbly lost to Disney's Family.com, but <laughs> literally, like, very happy to be nominated. Yeah. Um, that was wonderful. And um, and and my 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 Twitter. Um, I've been on Twitter for four years, over four years now, and, and I'm savvy at savvy. Auntie, and I'm one of the 100 most powerful women on Twitter. And like I mentioned, there are now um, 62,000 wow. plus fans on Facebook, which rivals um, and actually um, is, is larger than some major um, magazine titles like oh, Lucky Magazine amazing. and Red Book and others. So it really is, is, is more than just a, a brand. It's really a movement. Yeah. Um, and I'm very proud of that. I guess you can see that it's a void that needed to be filled. It, it was, and, and you know, it's interesting that people are still sort of shocked at the the numbers. Um, when I first um, started this company in, the, in 2007, or had the idea for the company, I I looked at the U.S. Census data, the latest at the time was from 2004, and then. 44.6% of American women did not have children through age 44. We actually don't know what that number would be with women 45 plus. Mm -hmm. That number today is 47 for 2010. So just six years later, it's 47.1%. Mm -hmm. So it's over 2%. I mean, it's pretty um, an enormous um, mm -hmm. trend, uh, fast-growing trend. And it's not because women don't love children. Um, it's because women are able um, to choose um, not to have children when they don't think that motherhood is right for them. And for them, that is without question the right choice. There's many right. mothers who probably shouldn't have had children. Yeah. Um, and those who are, as we, we called them earlier, the lesbians, where it's a little bit harder than the traditional way to have children. Um, but today, when here in New York City and many other states, I believe it's six states total, you're able to get married. Um, but it may be more difficult to have a child of one's own. Um, whereas a generation ago, um, they they 
conceded to marrying um, men. So um, many, many lesbians, unfortunately. So it was, it was society has changed and, and given them the freedom to make those choices. And then, um, you know, there are women like me, this, this generation of women who sort of um, are not, I, I, I really despise the term career women because there are very few women who really do choose career over, over having children. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they have careers is, is what helps pay the rent and keeps them aspiring and going. And it's wonderful to have, to have something in your life that's, that's fantastic. Um, but um, they just haven't met the right guy. And it, this is sort of this sandwich generation between um, um, the, the, the feminist uh, movement in the, in the 60s and 70s and, and those who are now in their 20s where the, where the guys grew up with the mom working in, in the house so they don't know the difference. So um, there are a lot of societal, generational things that are going on in, in this particular time period. But yes, I can answer your, your question a very long way. Um, <laughs> yes, there was definitely a market gap of, of women. And frankly, you know, from a business perspective, women with discretionary income and time relative to mom so marketers want to reach these women. And frankly, these women have been ignored so long that they love being marketed to. Yeah. They want to know what the hottest toys are. They want to know, um, you know, what, what the kids know about. They want to know what the moms know about. They just don't want to be called mom. Right. I sometimes think there should be a resource like that, except for women with one child. I even sure. ha- Someone told me once, you're not really a mom until you have two. <laughs> like, oh, I know. And you know. You said that once was, and I found it so, I, I was so uh, frightening. Um, oh, she gosh, she just had a baby recently. It was her second. Uh, they showed her baby bump every single day. I'm not forgetting what, um, Jessica Alba. And she said, now that I'm having, now I'm really a mom. And I said, well, wait a minute. I think the first one proves you're a mom. I think yeah. let's just go with that. Yeah. I don't think you need two because now with the next one's good. You're not really a mom until you have three. I mean, it's yeah. just a way to, it's just a judgmental way to, to talk to women. It's another way to compete with women. It's just everybody has to stop one upping each other. I mean, you cannot say that now that you have two children, you're a mom. You are just as much a mom as, as the octo mom, Marley. I would not <laughs> take that away from you. And how terrible it is that you need, that mom now need to feel that that if they don't have more than one child what do you say to to a woman who who uh, has a stillborn child yeah. is she not a mom right. i mean she carried that baby that baby that baby only lived a very short while we have to stop um defining it um in a in a way that is subjective motherhood is motherhood um, what we can do, though, I think, is look at, at being maternal a little more subjectively yes. and, and not connected only with those who have birthed children, but to those who love children and who have maternal um, connections and maternal instincts towards children. Again, every child, no child has ever suffered from too much love. Every mm-hmm. child can use more mother figures in his or her life. Oh, that's a beautiful quote. I can see why your site does so well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yes. you very much. And and with that, I'm going to ask you one final question because I know we're, we're beyond time. But um, tell me, what inspires you? What insp- well, you know, I mean, on, on many levels, um, things inspire me. Of course, my nephew and nieces inspire me um, with every day as they get older. Um, and, you know, I, I spoke yesterday, I, I put this on Twitter and Facebook yesterday, how um, I had a friend who was murdered um, on 9-11. Mm-hmm. Um, she worked at Cantor Fitzgerald, and she and I were the same age. 
and inspires me. I think of her often, and I said that. I think of her whenever I'm having a bad day, and I think, but she was never given those days. Mm. Um, so what inspires me is the fact that, thank God, I wake up every morning ready to go, um, and that when I hear from women who can't have children or um, are judged because they don't feel that they are mother material, mm-hmm. um, meaning not because they wouldn't be good mothers, but because their heart isn't in motherhood, um, that um, when they write to me and they say, thank you for recognizing me, thank you for being a voice, um, that is what keeps me going and inspires me to work harder to show that this isn't just um, a great website and a best-selling book, um, but it's a movement with heart. It's a business with heart. And um, I'm so very fortunate to have found it um, and to have moved forward with it and thank God to be able to keep going. That's great inspiration for any of us. Uh, Melanie Knock and I appreciate your time today and uh, especially uh, talking to you about your name and, and Savvy Auntie and all of this. Oh, it was absolutely my pleasure. I, I love talking to you, Marley, and um, I, I found it inspirational myself. Thank you. Thanks to Melanie Notkin for talking with me today about her business, Savvy Auntie, her name, and even names we call the respected women in our lives. You can learn more about Melanie on the Namely Marley site at www.namelymarley.com. That's it for today's podcast. This is Marley, and I thank you for joining me here today. Stay tuned for more fresh and fun Namely Marley podcasts in the future.